if you are absolutely garbage at Facebook ads, you're going to get about like $300 per qualified call, right? Now, let's say you are garbage also at closing. So you, you close 10% of your call. So you suck at everything, right? So what that means is you, you spend $3,000 and you get 10 calls and you close one and you charge $8,000. You just make $5,000. You're listening to the Next Generation Podcast. Weekly interviews with the most interesting and successful 20-somethings out there. All right, on today's episode, we've got Daniel Fazio. Dan, what's going on, brother? What's up, bro? Thanks for having me. Of course, I'm happy to have you on. I've been reading your tweets for quite a bit of time now. Um, for anybody who's listening to this right now, I want to say we probably have an audience of like 50% from Twitter and then 50% just from like other random sources. And so I'm just thinking like ahead of time now, we're probably going to be titling this episode stuff along the lines of like cold email wizard because that's what you call yourself on Twitter. Uh, for anybody who's not familiar with you on Twitter, doesn't follow your account, like why do you call yourself the cold email wizard? And what are the, like some of the benefits of having this like anonymous account to a degree? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not actually anonymous as since we just said my first and last name. And I don't actually hide my face. I go on podcasts and everything like that. But the function of it is just like a, it, it's like a branded company that's on Twitter, right? And the whole function of that branded company is to put people into the funnel that I own. And I can explain it very quickly here. It's, it starts with a course, right? It's called Cold Email Mastery. And the function of Cold Email Mastery is for people who run agency businesses or sell digital services, to show them how to acquire clients using cold email, right? But you need to use a bunch of software to execute cold email campaign and have it actually work. So I just own all of the software. So it's just, it's this giant funnel of stuff where if, if you happen to be someone who runs a digital service business and you are trying to acquire clients, I, it is more than likely I have a solution to some issue you're facing, right? And that was, that was aggregated over, over the course of, three years from when I first started my very own agency, right? So essentially, this is this is kind of how I operate. I only make products that solve issues that I, a past version of myself, once had, right? And that just makes sense. So people can go in here and they can talk about, oh, you got to get product market fit. And I know Sam Thompson was talking about this on the last one, but I, I don't, I just don't do anything unless I am the target market, right? So I don't need to sit here and do customer interviews and all this and just try to get all this data. I already know it, right? So I'm sitting here and I'm say I'm designing some kind of user flow in one of my SaaSes. I already know like what my system would be in the most efficient use of how to structure it. And that's, and I think that's just a massive cheat code. You just sell things to a past version of yourself. You've pretty much flipped the model of content marketing there, right? Because typically if you have a SaaS company and they get a content team, they're all writing stuff and they're trying to pull people in, you've kind of done the opposite. You've created content that people pay you for and then you upsell them with the software on the back end. Was that always the game plan? Did you come in realizing you're going to go from agency to course to selling the software or did it kind of just fall into place? Yeah, here's the story. The very first agency I ran was an Instagram growth agency, and I acquired all the clients through cold email. Now, there was like an Instagram algorithm change, and I was no longer able to actually fulfill upon the service. So what I had to do was that that whole business was wiped out. I was like 20 years old making $12,000 a month. It was awesome. Um, then it got wiped out. So I'm like, all right, so what do I go sell now? Well, I just acquired all of these clients via cold email. So I might as well just go sell cold email as a service to other agencies. And that's what I did, right? So I was running that max point. It was like seven clients at once. So it was, some, it was somewhere like 18K a month, something like that. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, how do I scale this? Cold email is cool, but like I'm getting to the point now where you kind of wanted to scale this up faster, right? So what I did was I was always on Twitter. You see people selling Gumroad courses on Twitter. So I'm like, I understand funnels and I've studied all Russell Brunson stuff. So I'm like, let me just pick a cold email guide and like a cold email, cold email account. It's a non, but not really like I'll show my face and say my name. But I thought to myself, some percent of these people are going to convert into a client. And that's what happened. People will become a client, but something else happened in that. I was using all these different softwares that I did not yet own. 
And people were coming to me in DMs and saying like customer support questions of this software. They're sending me like screenshots of like software. And I'm sitting here as like a customer support rep for these software companies. So I'm like, I might as well just own the software because they're very clearly purchasing it. So that's what I spent the entirety of, of December 2020 to December 2021 was releasing five software companies. And you just had Sam Thompson on here the other day. He owns one of those uh, with me. It's so funny because literally before we started recording, I was like, yeah, I feel like Sam Thompson's the kind of guy who owns 20 businesses uh, and I probably pay for like 10 of them without even realizing that he's the one running them. Like that's the cool scale of software. And when you're able to go and like hack these kind of products together, like people could be paying you for their services, whether it's an agency or whether it's a software product and have no idea that it's like, oh, this is Dan's product. But like, obviously with you, I think what you did that's really smart is you're solving your own problem. And so what most people screw up, I think, is they'll say something along the lines of like, I want to go and build a software for dentists. I want to go and build a software for like accountants. It's like, cool. Are you an accountant? It's like, no, but I'm going to go talk to a bunch. It's like, all right, it's good to get customer feedback. But now if you're not solving your own problem, you have no idea if you're building the right thing or not. Whereas for you, you're a marketer, you know how to go and do sales, outbound sales. And so every time that you're building these products, you're like, well, would I want that? Yes, I would. Okay, cool. Let me go ahead and add that feature, which I think is really smart. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, if you if you start to get to know people a lot on Twitter, they all have their very specific way they design or like speak things. So someone could like like Sam, for instance, Sam could make some company. And like if I look at the Webflow template and how he designed it, I'm like, this might be Sam Thompson. <laughs> but um, earlier, Giovanni was saying, oh, you kind of went from um, content, pay for content first into SaaS. But we actually individually market the SaaSes as well. So like, for instance, one of them um, is called Clean Leads and Clean Leads is for scraping LinkedIn searches, getting the emails from LinkedIn searches. So we pay this guy Caval on Twitter. His handle is like Caval SEO or SEO Caval. And he's really good at SEO. So now we're just getting a shit ton of organic traffic coming in. But now the job kind of becomes to teach them this system and cross promote all of the other softwares, right? So I've got this guy uh, named Jay. I knew him from high school. He's really he's competent dude. And what he does is he basically manages it. And me and a bunch of other dudes actually just made like this coaching program. So what we're going to try to do is take like a consultative approach to the inbound calls that come from organic traffic on clean leads and try to start cross-selling them all the other stuff in like a more of a sales fashion. I, I got to ask because I think at this point in the call, people are going to be listening to this and we're seven minutes in or so. And they're gonna be like, okay, so what does Daniel do? Cause I feel like we just went from like Instagram marketing to cold emails to software now. So if you, and, and you just mentioned a whole coaching pro program that you're starting now. So like, I would love at this point to maybe start adding a little bit more credibility too. Cause like if people follow you on Twitter, they know that you're the real deal. They know that you made, I think it was 1.1 million back just last year alone. So like, can you actually just talk to us about, okay, what exactly do you own from top to bottom? Uh, so that way people can kind of like level set and understand a little bit more about like your backgrounds. Yeah, yeah. So I here's here's all the entities I own, I guess you could say. So first is cold email wizard, right? So that that holds the course that shows people how to actually execute cold email campaign. And then there's clean leads, which is a software for scraping LinkedIn profiles. And then there's contact ecom, which is for scraping emails of decision makers at e-commerce brands. And then there's quick lines. And quick lines is for automatically writing personalized sentences that you can insert into the first sentence of a cold email. That just makes the cold email more, it makes it more responsive to people, right? So you, in, you take like a giant list of LinkedIn profile URLs, it'll scrape the profiles and try to deduce a personalized first line. And then I have Mailerize, that's for warming up email domains and actually sending the cold email campaigns. And then one called Client Ascension. And Client Ascension is, it's not just me, it's this dude, Andre Heichel and Nick Abraham. Nick Abraham owns stuff with Sam Thompson as well. Um, and then it's a couple other guys in there. They're all coaches. And they all, it's, it's a conglomeration of people who are proficient in different things. So it's like what happens is if, if, there's, if there's some dude who, who who's just starting out. He's got to learn how to like get a good offer, do lead gen, do sales, do fulfillment, do scaling. So like I'm kind of more of the guy who's like on the offers side. And then they all do like the rest of it. And I, the way I structure all these deals, because I can't code. I own five software companies, but I can't code. The way I structure all these deals is 
we make it very clear between all of us what exactly each person's function is. I am the marketer. I get people inside of the funnel. I am miserable at operations. Can't do it. Hate doing it. I don't like doing fulfillment, right? But then you get other guys like Nick Abraham or this guy, Andre Heigl, and they're phenomenal at operations and they're really good at doing, building out systems. And then you get other guys like uh, this one guy, Dan and Jay, like they're good at sales and I'm just good at marketing. I'm good at gathering the tent, the attention and pushing them into the funnel, right? So that, that's kind of how I structure And with the SASs, uh, the one with Sam, we, we got a team of developers on there, but they'll, Nick and Sam will kind of manage the developers, right? I'm not good at that. And then all the other ones is with this guy, SaaS on Twitter. Um, and he's, he codes. So he's the CTO of all of them. And then I'm just CMO slash CEO, I guess you could say. Smart. So it basically sounds like if I could kind of just like reiterate in like a more succinct way, it's like you've got the cold email mastery course. That's pretty much like the content you do to go and kind of convince people that they can start uh, getting serious business upside by sending cold emails. The secondary level of that is now you have like these five different software products that you go and work with uh, from people you met with on Twitter. Some people handle the ops, some people handle the product, but your main job is getting customers for those businesses. And then at the very, very bottom of the funnel, uh, it's like, cool, somebody like actually needs handholding. They've got their own business. They need help with the offer. They need help thinking through like how they can go and get more customers. And you do some kind of coaching or consulting for their businesses as well. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. What's what's actually very interesting is um like if you think about you sit here and you can like up put oh cold email works so well like everything works Google ads work Facebook ads work but what happens is people they 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 jump from mechanism to mechanism so like cold email is a traffic mechanism Facebook ads is a traffic mechanism so they'll jump from mechanism to mechanism they're like that one doesn't work that one doesn't work and most of the time that's completely not true it's your offer you're just trying to sell something that people don't want to purchase. Right. So if you kind of just switch that a little bit, I know Sam talked about this, too, is offer positioning. Right. That's the problem is most people are trying to sell something that people don't want to purchase. And you were just talking about this. Like, oh, I'm going to make this SaaS for dentists. Well, it's like, yeah, you better go become very proficient in the issues that dentists are experiencing or you're going to try to start selling something that they just don't want to buy. What was the actual journey from having never created the software product, though, and spending the entire year making five, did you come up with five different ideas and then decide, hey, I'm going to go figure out how to execute and, and find the people that develop them now? Did other people approach you and you kind of tailored the product to fit you know, your ideal product? Or how did you actually go from zero to a bunch of software with no coding? Yeah, so here's here's a big life hack for people that think if they want to make a lot of money, you have to come up with some very new and extravagant kind of thing. I will never do that. I'm not selling it unless it already exists. So every software I have is a replication of something that already exists. Never make something up. It's it's too hard. You're going to invest too many research. You don't even know if it works, right? But if there's a company who's been doing this for, I don't know, a year, two years, it clearly works, right? So people buy it and then just do that. So what happens is all of the, the functions of what I was showing people how to do in the course, I was like, oh, use this software, use this software, use this software. I just went down the line and replicated all of them. <laughs> That's it. It's expensive as hell to go and convince people that they need something that they've never heard of before, but it's very profitable to go and convince people to go and spend money on a solution that they've already heard of for a problem that they already have. Yeah, and this kind of goes back to why I like Twitter a lot. Um, and in particular, the, the terms of, of building a community. So like what will happen is someone might be using some software that does something that one of mine do, right? But since they've sat here on Twitter and they've replied to my stuff and I replied back to them, they send me a DM, they ask a question, I answer the question, right? What happens is you become friends with people and they like you. So now what happens is they're using some software and they're like, oh, well, you know what? I like that guy. I'm just going to go use his software instead. I'd rather give him the money. That's what they think, right? You, you're trying to acquire just a massive base of loyal fans. And this kind of goes to the thing where it's like, do the things that don't scale to scale. So I sit here on Twitter and I almost get like 25 DMs a day and I respond to 90% of them unless it says hello and that's it. Right. If someone, if someone asks me a question, I'm going to answer the question. Like, I'm just going to do that. Right. I'm trying to like, I'm trying, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to build a community at scale where it's like, I actually just read a tweet on this right now. It was something about 
you it's only people who are likable who tend to get everything they want it's just so true what does that mean though like like and i i agree with that 100 percent. like i i have um we talk about sam thompson a lot like the the guy who uh, we were also grabbing drinks with that night steven omen I'm, I'm pretty sure i'm saying his last name right omen do you know steven no i don't think so great dude all right so this is the kind of guy who like i met him last year and he's probably introduced me to like just 20 people like without even asking like and like like not that that's a bad thing like it's a really good thing because these are all super valuable and like high um high value connections and like so from steven's standpoint i'm like i love steven like if he asks me for anything in the future i'm going to bend over backwards and like help this guy out because he has just given me so much value for free that like i love him now uh is when you say be likable is it just like providing value for free or like are there certain things that you do that you think other people don't do yeah, well, a lot of it is inherent if you're just a naturally socially intelligent person. So we're sitting here on this on on this podcast right now. It's just the demeanor with which we're talking. I already like you guys, right? And then you can sit here and say you do a podcast a week. You can do you can meet fifty two people a year, but each one of those people might have like ten or twenty people they're close with, right? So now it starts compounding, right? And it's kind of like like if you sit here and you have a Twitter account or whatever and someone's like messaging you or you leave your dms closed and you never respond to any kind of message you just never get the chance to build a relationship with anybody ever right so if you sit here and you look at all the business partners i have for all of the entities like all of the people i just name dropped throughout this i've never met them in person ever actually no a couple people i have but most of them no we've never recorded a podcast in person ever and we've done 60 podcast episodes at this point so like the age of being able to meet people and create actually worthwhile connections like i just told you i love this dude steven like i actually sorry i've met steven like in person twice now at this point but if i hadn't i'd still love him because he's just been so helpful to me over the past like six months i was actually i was on the phone with sam for like two hours the other day and we were talking about we were talking about how there's probably there might be so i have 59,000 followers on Twitter. And there's probably at least 50 of those people who are worth $100 million. We were talking about the same thing with him, with his audience. And he's, we're, we're talking, how do we identify those people and become friends with them? Right? I think the, the funny part about Twitter, though, too, is you you sometimes have no idea. Right? Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be an account with like 30 followers and and that's that's a dude with a hundred million dollars, right? Yeah, you, um, you you don't even know. It, this this is very interesting. Um, follower count does not correlate with income. It's very because what I used to I used to scrape a bunch of emails from Instagram and and when I was doing the fitness and and whatnot, and I was selling some other B two B stuff. I was selling to like marketing agency type people and like consultants. I was scraping them from Instagram. And I was under the impression as if that the more followers they had, the more money they would make. But then I just stopped doing that. I was like, well, I don't know anything, actually. And I would just start sending emails to people with like 100 followers. You get on the phone with some of these people and it's like, oh, yeah, like I run a biz. Does like 280000 a month. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Dude, you'll never believe this. Uh, yesterday, we got like Jim and I have been underwriting a bunch of storage deals and trying to make offers. We got on a call with some guy. He's got like six followers, or whatever. He's like, "Hey, boys, like I know you guys invest in self storage. Uh, got this deal for y'all. Um, you know, if you want to go in on it with me, like gladly would." We jumped on a call with him like 15 minutes later. Today, we just made an offer on the property, um, and so we'll see like by the end of this week if we got the deal or not. But the dude's got like six followers. Like he's like not like a prolific like dude on Twitter with like 60,000 followers, like there's so much value to be had out there. And I think one thing that I think would be very interesting, you know, you're, you're the big SaaS guy at this point, so you're creating a ton of stuff is like specifically from an email newsletter standpoint, if there was a way to go and identify like, Hey, I've got 10,000 email new subscri- newsletter subscribers to my newsletter. If there was a way to be like, Oh, Hey, like the CEO of like this big company just signed up. Like I want to go and like, get notified about that but i don't necessarily care if like this entry-level person signed up for my email newsletter that would be a really cool value add service yeah it would i would think the way you would do that is kind of cross-reference it with the with, with the domain but like sometimes i might use a personal one which kind of sucks it's like on identifying things you know it's really interesting when like web3 gets really big maybe you like sign up to a newsletter and like you connect your wallet and it can like tell you like this person has eight million dollars of ethereum that would be wallet. yeah <laughs> that's almost like a, a lot of reddit um 
subreddits or some of them will do like flares where it'll be like you're verified that um there's been a couple like e-commerce or amazon ones and they had like different revenue ones so if you posted something everyone had their revenue number so you could quickly see okay the guy answering this question does you know 20 million plus a year probably you know going to be helpful but other than that kind of a no-name reddit user that, that you wouldn't be able to find anything on it'll be interesting to see if twitter does more with that, right? Because they're already doing the NFT type of thing where you can go and put that in your profile picture. I wonder if it's going to somehow pull in other sort of, you know, people aren't just verified anymore. They're going to get some other little little sticker next to it that means something. I actually, I I blocked India with Cloudflare, one of my SASs, because there was, there were just too many, like, like 13-year-old Indians, like, do you have a discount code and all that? So I, I just blocked the whole country. You can't, you can't go to contact me, come for um, That's so hilarious. I'm sitting here, I was like, but I wouldn't like to block the whole country. I would, I would like to just block every single person who doesn't have at least a thousand dollars in their MetaMask. That would be cool. Holy shit. That's so, that's so funny. Um, I, I gotta ask you this other question now. You, you sent this tweet out like almost a year ago, so I don't even know if you're going to remember it. Um, but I just thought it was the funniest thing I ever asked. We were prepping for this call. It's like broke, bitter, middle-aged men hate seeing guys in their twenties win. Uh, you know, the follow-up tweet was like, you don't know real marketing. It's like, shut up, Richard, go buy a billboard. Um, I thought that, I thought, I don't know why I just thought that was like the funniest tweet I've ever read. Um, but I'd love to know, I have two kind of like back-to-back questions on this. Um, one would be like, uh, I guess, I guess one, has this happened to you, right? Like, do you have people who are like in their thirties and forties looking at like, what are you, what are you 24, 25? Yeah, I'm 24. 24. Do you have people who are like in their forties and fifties and being like, Hey, listen, like this guy's not doing like real marketing. Like he doesn't like actually know what he's doing. Like, I'd love to hear like a personal story from that. And then the second question I had was more along the lines of like, like, I guess, what does it mean to be like, you know, like winning in your twenties, like making money in your twenties? Cause I think like you're obviously super connected in a network of people who are doing that. Gio and I have been building up a network of people who are like really crushing in their twenties. And that's like literally the entire thesis of this podcast. Uh, so I'd love to know like what that means to you as well. Yeah. So one time there was this, there was this dude, um, and he was just, he was, it was on Twitter and he was just saying some stupid shit where it's like cold email doesn't work. And then I'd like, send screenshots of like well this this generated like six appointments from this one campaign of like 120 emails so i don't know what you're talking about like it obviously works for me and then they do this thing where it's like kind of like oh no like it's fake like okay yeah yeah the only explanation is that it's fake right and this is it was just dumb bullshit like that it kind of it kind of reminds me of the tiktok dudes because i just made a tiktok and you get like the absolute dumbest people on earth but the thing, the, the thing you see a lot of people just like, you, you make a video and you can be like, take three months to learn a skill, um, do some cold outreach to try to get a client, work on a performance base, work with them for a couple months to try to get really good, scale from there. And someone will comment like, this is a scam. Like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, de- definitely scam. Uh, but it's kind of like, stupid people are very loud. And what I mean by that is they just say a lot. But if someone is like, you think of like these dudes who are sitting here, like $100 million, like this dude with six followers who just went in on a deal with you. They're busy. They're not loud on social media. They're too busy making money, right? So they don't have the time to sit there and like talk shit. So it's, it, it, that's just kind of annoying. I mean, people, people, people do that. It's, it's not so the age gap where, where I said, Oh, broke middle-aged men. It's just, it's kind of like a double whammy of being angry, right? They're angry at the fact that you're making money. And they're also angry at the fact that they that you were doing it considerably younger than they will ever be able to do. Right. So that, that was, that was the kind of annoying part about it for me. But what was the second question again? I'm sorry. The second question I had was like, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I think people have, especially when they're twenties, is they're just like, I can only make eighty thousand a year. I could only make a hundred thousand dollars a year, and that's because like the the guys at the top, the guys who run these big companies, have realized like, hey, listen, like I'm able to get so much value out of this person, and I don't have to go and pay them that much more. So like they're just considerably undercharged or underpaid, I guess, 
uh, for most of their entire life. I would love to kind of know like how you think if you're chatting with a friend who just graduated from Florida State, wanted to go and start making some real money, like what would you go and start telling them to like kind of put them on this game and also have them start like actually seeing these six figure months or like even like even just like you know five figure months where they're making fifteen twenty thousand dollars a month on their own terms. Like what kind of advice would you have for those people? Yeah, so if you are an employee, you by definition have to generate more income than you are paid, right? Because you, you are an investment, you have to generate some kind of ROI. And if you're generating the ROI for an entity that you are not a shareholder of, then like you like you're gonna get screwed on that, right? Um, but caveat to that is you have to be comfortable with the fact that you 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 have to own the offer. And what I mean by that is say you do say you do like sales as a server, like you're just a salesman, right? And the offer is like, you're selling like a, like a $15,000 offer and you get, you get 10% commission or something like that. So, so you get a conversion, you get a nice little 1500 bucks, right? Um, but CEO companies probably after all costs might be racking up six grand every time you do that. Right. And that's the price you pay to have been placed in this entity with all of these systems already in place, right? So uh, you have to be comfortable with eating what you kill. What I mean by that is, okay, you're a salesman, but did you generate the lead? Did you, did you make the team that does the fulfillment, right? Did you make the ads that brought the lead? Like, did you do all of this stuff, right? So you need to, and this is, this is what's very interesting. People, People will make these um, these very wild claims where it's like, I'm going to show you how to make $15,000 in a month. And it's like, there's a very particular kind of person who could go from zero to 15000 per month. And that kind of person is someone who is probably competent and using an array of software, like building a funnel, like use it zappier integrating email flows into click funnels and they they know how to make ads already right and like they've taken a sales call like they know how to send a cold email like they already know how to do the intricacies of each section of the business right the sections like just just to jump in real quick like basically what you're saying is like the people who are underpaid are the ones who specialize in one particular field right they are the best at setting appointments or they are the best at closing a specific client uh, what you're saying is if you want to go and get the whole pie and if you want to go and actually get paid what you are worth, you have to not only be the best at one thing, but you also have to have some level of domain expertise in the other areas of the business as well. Yes. So if you look, if you kind of go, it doesn't mean you have to be an expert in every single domain. Cause if you look at me, it's, I'm not the best at operations. I'm not the best. I don't know how to code whatsoever. Right. Did I arrange these situations? So that I'm only doing the marketing in the entities, right? And you need some level of understanding of it, but you're going to hit a cap, right? And it's going to take a very, very long time to get something extremely, extremely large unless you are, unless you have very competent people with you, right? But the, the general consensus is that if you want to just make an astronomical amount of money, you have to own the offer, right? You can you only get rich with equity, or you like buy a random crypto coin and it goes up a thousand x. Like that that's a, that's a lottery though, right? But Alex Ramosi says this: I'd rather get rich for sure than to get rich gambling or get trying to rolling all my capital into these random coins and whatnot, right? So what you have to do is you just have to make a very concerted effort and a realization that it's probably what will happen is say, say you commit and you work for a minimum 10 hours per week for the next year or two years. Like you're doing at least 10 hours of study. What I mean by that is you're on YouTube and you're looking up like, how do I do Facebook ads? How do I do Google ads? What's copywriting? How do I do that? How do I use Zapier? How do I do cold email? How do I do, how do I make a Shopify site? How do I do fulfillment? And you're just learning all of this stuff over an extremely long period of time. And at a certain point, you know so much that it's hard to fuck up. There's all this scattered information it starts to connect in these pieces. It's like the way you, you learn things inside your brain. Like you, 
when you learn things, you're making connections between neurons, right? So you're sitting here, you're making all these pathways together and they connect, right? And that's just the only way. It takes a very, very long time. It took me like, it took about two and a half years to hit my first 15K mark. I'm, I'm assuming you probably had a lot of small businesses maybe that you tried to start beforehand because a lot of what you're saying sounds like the benefit that people get from at least trying to build stuff for, you know, a couple of years beforehand, because a, you, you come up with a business idea and then it's either most people don't execute it. Or if you do try to execute it, then all of a sudden you're realizing you got to build a website and you start learning all the foundational skills that come with that. Okay. That one doesn't work, but now let me try my other idea. I already know how to build a website. I kind of maybe know now some SEO, but now I'm going to go to try to learn some Facebook ads. The 10th time you try to do all this, you probably have a reasonable understanding of how all these, you know, things go in and then you find where you're really competent and that's where you kind of go double down and, and pull that lever on from, from your perspective though. So you think your lever there is going to be the marketing side then, right? Cause you, you have a good understanding of how everything else comes into place and now you can look at it and just pull that marketing lever and, you know, funnel all the people into whatever the offer is that you're selling. Yeah. So let me, let me kind of illustrate it for you. So, I did a bunch of random stuff, right? Like I drop shipped stuff on eBay. Um, I, I, then I started trying to drop ship stuff on Shopify. Like now what that means, you got to find a supplier for Shopify. You got to learn how to build the Shopify store. And then you got to learn how to do Facebook ads for that. And I've sat here and I just watched YouTube videos and bought courses on how to do it, right? Ends up not working, whatever. But I spent some ads on Facebook and I knew how to, I figured out how to do that, right? And then it's like, Oh, click funnels and what you could do on click funnels, you could try selling the e-commerce products through there. So I was like, oh, okay, now I'm gonna go learn how to do click funnels. And it's like, oh, services, you could sell services to people. So now it's like, oh, okay, well, now I'm gonna go send some cold emails, get leads, but I made the agency site on click funnels a bit all the automations in there. And then it's like, well, now I gotta get on sales calls. So it's like, okay, now now I'm doing sales calls, and you're just aggregating all of this stuff where you have such a vast array of competencies. It's just, it's, it's too difficult to not have, like, you just know how to do things fast. We're, we're sitting here and it's like me, Sam Thompson, and Nick are about to release another SaaS in like probably a couple weeks. And it took like, it might've taken like two hours of concerted effort to just instruct this developer what to do. And then it's like, just done. We, we, we already know how to do it. And we're just going to try to flip it in like three months. And that's just going to be a hilarious story. Like, yeah, we, we took two hours, instructed the developer to make this, like marketed it for three months and then flipped it for like six figures, hopefully. And that's, you know what I mean? Like you just know too much. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I feel like it's the same thing of if it took two hours of concerted effort this time, like if this is your first rodeo and the first time going around it, I would imagine it would take two months, if not two years. Like it takes a long time to kind of figure this stuff out. And I feel like that's kind of the stuff that Sam talked about on the podcast in the past too. Like, realistically the only way you're going to go learn this stuff is just do it like i I know you just kind of alluded to like listening to a bunch of youtube videos and you know taking courses and stuff it helps it's supplemental but it's supplemental to the actual like lifting right it's like if you want to go and get in shape you have to go to the gym like creatine can help protein powder can help but like the end of the day you have to go and put in the reps and put in the sets and i feel like that's where the actual building comes in yeah there's there there needs to be uh made a distinction so like someone can make Someone can make some video like, oh, here's how to build a Shopify dropshipping brand. And they sit there and they're just like face talking to the camera about yeah. like the concept of it, right? But we need to be looking for a specific knowledge. And what that would entail is like, okay, here's the dashboard. Of shop. I'm going to click this button, then this button, then this button, then this button. And it's like a tutorial of what buttons to click, right? It's the same with like click funnels or using our Zapier. It's like, what are the buttons you click? It's specific knowledge, right? And now you had a little handhold here. Now it's like, now it's time for you to go click the buttons, right? And then by the time, now you've done this a couple times and now it's just implanted into your mind for the rest of the time. You just know what buttons to click forever. And now that, that amount of time, the three hours it took you to learn how to do this tiny thing that only takes five minutes, that three hours doesn't exist anymore. So it's just five minutes. Can I ask you how you're managing your time across all of these businesses? Because I think one of the things that I always... Like, like people ask me this question, right? Because I'll run an e-commerce store, do some real estate stuff, do the podcast, do like a couple of random things on the side. And my honest answer to them is like, I try to go and set aside like big blocks of like 
here are like the three big things I want to get done this week. But in reality, it changes every single day. Uh, meetings pop up out of anywhere, and I just can't always commit the same amount of time that I want to to a certain business throughout the week. Is it the same for you, or are you like pretty strict in terms of like, nope, Mondays we're working on cold email mastery, Tuesdays we're doing podcasts, Wednesdays we're doing SaaS? Like, what does it look like for you? I try to be on the least amount of calls possible. So there are some t- there are some weeks where I'm not getting on a single call. And the reason why is because you have a finite capacity, you have a finite amount of mental capacity per day, and you're going to expend it on something. And it's it's roughly four hours of actual focused mental capacity every single day. So you're dedicating it to something, right? What I mean by that is it might be like five or six, just depending on your sleep and what your mood is. But most of it is I'm just sitting on Twitter in DMs, right? That's that's all I'm doing. And if I sit here and it's like, okay, now I gotta build. I got to build out this email flow for this for this SaaS or this company. Then it's like I'll just I'll just make one email and then like I'll think of another one later. I just do it. I don't have a very fine structure at all. It's whatever I just feel like doing at any moment. I do that. So like the other week when I tweeted, it's like, "Yo, I want to go into podcast," and then like, bam, schedule four. You're the fourth because I just felt like doing it. Right? I think I think it's I think it's fun and and it's cool to kind of like be able to spit ideas out, but there's, there's, there's really not a lot of structure to it. It, What it is, is it's kind of like, I just do what is directly in front of me. And it all is just leading to the same goal. It's very gradual. I'm trying to just very gradually grow everything. Right. So it's, it's, I don't. What's that goal though? Cause I think, I think what you're saying makes sense. Like, and when you're running a business or you're running several businesses, there's always fires to put out. So like you just can't plan accordingly. So like, yeah, sure, the attention's gonna shift day over day. But if you're doing the most pressing thing every single day, like what are you working towards towards the goal? Is it a number goal? Is it like a lifestyle goal? What does it look like? Yeah, I want ten million dollars by thirty and a hundred million dollars by fifty. That's what I want. I think you can do much more than that, don't you think? Or do you not want to? I don't know. It just depends because it's like I'd like to have kids too, and I don't want to be sitting there. But it's it, I'm trying to get to the point where just I'm I'm uh, I'm a fucking bum, so I don't I don't want to do it. Tell us more. I don't want to do anything. So okay. what I mean by that is like I just want to own a bunch of assets and not be involved in any of it ever, and just watch it grow. I think w- when I hear okay, you made 1.1 million dollars this year. I know you have partners, so the distributions are different. But you're 24, which we already established at this point, dude. You do this for the next six years. Are you like, how much are you going to be making by the time that you're 29? I, I and I understand if you've got a girlfriend or you got a you know someone that you had in mind that you want to go and start having kids with earlier on. That makes sense. Do your thing, like live your lifestyle. But if if the goal is to go and make a ton of money, I think you're selling yourself really short at 10 million by 30. Like I think minimum 30 million by 30, uh, especially given like the foundation of stuff that you already have set up. Like at this point, you know how to market. You've got a team that knows how to, knows how to build. And you already have free cash flow in the seven figures range by the time you're 24. Like, there's no reason that either A, that shouldn't be compounding by itself at a crazy annual growth rate, or B, you should be going and setting up even more of these cash flow streams to either go and build up more equity and build up your team and scale up the current assets you already have. Like, you spent a year building five software products. Spend what happens when you spend six years built like growing those five software products? Like, there's no reason each of them shouldn't be cash flowing the eight figures per year, especially given how large of a space uh the b2b uh SaaS businesses can become and the like like we're, we're talking cash flow alone let's talk about multiples right you go and get one of these SaaS businesses up to being doing seven figures a year in arr like you sell that alone for eight figures man yeah facts thank you for your confidence in me this is this is this is kind of what i lost my train of thought on it was i was talking with sam and we're talking about we're talking about all of us, we spent 2021 20, launching so many offers. So your attention is split in so many different ways. And he was saying, he's like, dude, we have the mental capacity and the competence to be able to take something to like a hundred million a year, but it can't be a bunch of things. It has to be one thing. So what I'm sitting here, just, just, kind of pondering is I think the next move after I, the next like large move I make will probably be to like 
take some entity. It would probably be software because I like software a lot. There's essentially no fulfillment. Um, and just try to get it to just try to take a public just because like take it up to like 30 mil ARR and just have like a or 50 mil ARR and just have like a $300 million company. It would be, it would just be hilarious. And you'd be like, why would you do that? Just because, because I could, like there's nothing else to do. Like you might as well. <laughs> it's like it's like oh ringing the bell in Nasdaq. It's like whoops. Um, yeah. dude, I'm, like I just looked it up right now. All right, like this is definitely a competitor of yours to a degree. But like Hunter IO, do you know how much money they make? Yeah, a lot. Eighteen million last year. They they made they made eighteen million last year. This is all public information, at least from what it looks like on this random quick Google search that I did just did, but like that's 18 million. And like you have, you can do the same exact thing. And I don't even think that they're the biggest in the space. Yeah. It hasn't even been, I haven't even had the assassins for a year yet. Like it hasn't even, hasn't even been a year, which is just wild. Hunter's probably like five, six years old. It's just like, God, I feel like the, the dilemma of wanting to do so many different things and realizing that you probably make more money if you focused on one, it's probably been consistent amongst every single person we've talked to usually, maybe other than uh, Steven, but even Steven said he'd probably make more money if he just focused on, on one product. So it's just an interesting like correlation between, I think we all have that issue of wanting to do a bunch of things because a, it's probably just more interesting as well, but then trying to decide which one do you double down on now in terms of the amount of money you make every year, how is that actually split between all of these projects? Is there, you know, is there any segment that makes significantly more money than, than the other ones and versus, you know, are you building equity or how, how are you looking at kind of the distribution of, of money you're getting every year? Yeah. So I, I live off of the money of two of them. So clean leads and contact income. And I'll just, I'll just, whatever, like I'll just, I'll just spend that money. But in terms of, in terms of like, the course, Cardio Mastery, the coach program, and like all of the other ones, like the ones I own with uh, uh, Sam, like those are those those that capital is reserved to grow those specifically because Sam's a little bit more of a competent person. And in 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 the other ones, like I have a CTO who's like isn't like trying to grow those companies. He's, he's all like into other stuff. So me and Sam were talking, and we'll probably make something that's different from that. I already have an idea of it, but I gotta I gotta. We gotta find out more about it. Um, but what I need to start rolling capital into, I just, I've been I've been being a DGen on crypto stuff. But just bought like seventy thousand dollars of these node projects and just like watching the price is going up though. So I'm like, let's go. But like, it could just go to zero, which would suck. But um, it, it, the only logical place you would deploy the capital is into just acquiring more traffic, right? Because it's software, and it's not. Like you, maybe you need another customer support person. It's not like it's not that much of an issue, especially with like the the, the coaching program one. The coaching program is high ticket, and here's something that I want to note about high ticket. Um, if you if you run like a service business, any kind of service, I'm talking like coaching or like a like an agency. If you if you just charge like above six thousand dollars, it's very difficult to not profit a lot. And I want to explain it in this terms. If you, if you, let's say you're acquiring leads through Facebook ads. If you are absolutely garbage at Facebook ads, you're going to get about like $300 per qualified call. Like they, like you're shit at Facebook ads. You're going to pay about $300 call, right? Now let's say you are garbage also at closing. So you, you, you close 10% of your call. So you suck at everything. Right. So what that means is you you spend three thousand dollars and you get ten calls and you close one and you charge eight thousand dollars. You just make five thousand dollars and you're you suck at everything. Right. And this is this is what kind of this this is what makes a lot of sense and why you see if you if you pay attention to the ads you get on Facebook, you just people don't do this. Click the ads. And go through the funnel. What are they selling? Is it a call funnel? If it's call funnel, they're probably charging six grand. High ticket call funnel. You do what the idiots are getting rich on, right? And all the idiots are selling $6,000, $10,000, $15,000 services, right? It makes sense. It's so it's so hard to not make money if you charge 
a lot. So that's that's kind of what I've been thinking about and why I started really getting into like yearly plans. So like with QuickLines, for instance, we're about to launch a cold email campaign to like 3,000 sales managers. And the offer is $15,000 a year for unlimited personalized lines for their entire sales team. And if you kind of quantify that, though, it makes a lot of sense because like if, if the sales team is selling high ticket stuff and they, and they get like, like just One 20% more, more responses on their cold email, they're going to make hundreds of thousands of more dollars. Yeah. If Now, I think people are going to be listening to this and they're going to think to themselves like, okay, I should probably go and maybe think about an agency route. I think the software stuff sounds interesting because you don't have to go and deal with any physical products. Um, but before even getting into like, okay, what is the actual delivery vehicle of what you're going to be selling? Anything from email marketing agencies to the actual software stuff. Is there a particular skill that you feel as though has helped you a lot, like when it comes to the marketing and the sales side of things? Like I know you've talked a lot about copywriting in particular. Uh, I know you've talked a lot about like the books you've read there. But is there like a, one skill set that you'd say, hey, listen, as a 22-year-old, I would have gone and spent way more time going down YouTube rabbit holes, reading Reddit case studies, things like that on this particular skill? Um, so I'll, I'll kind of tie these into in, into two things. It's funnels and copywriting. But when people hear copywriting, they think like, oh, like giant sales letters. But I, I kind of want to put it more towards like the communication aspect of things. Where it's, it's just, you just need to be cognizant of like you are looking at some product. You're looking at a product, right? And just take note of the flow of the questions that are occurring in your head. Because it's the same sequence for every single human on right? It's what is this? Have other people used this? And then like intricacies, maybe, maybe like how, how do I install it? Or how do I like, like what's the onboarding process? Or like, dude, what kind of reports do I get? And that's like on the back, right? But like the first thing they think of is, is who's, who's got results with this, right? You just have to be, someone comes to you with an offer and they say, Hey, uh, you run a sales team. I'm going to get you 40 appointments this month. Uh, and if I can't get you 40 appointments, then you're not going to pay anything. And you'd be like, oh, well, that's kind of interesting. Tell me tell me more about that, right? So you, in that offer, I had a quantification and a guarantee behind it. And this is what you get. Every single thing you, you sell has to have a quantification and a guarantee. Um, so I, I derived that just from sitting here and thinking like you're – like I was, I was just buying like a shower filter head last night. And like I'm sitting here and I'm like observing what I'm thinking. I'm like, what are the, what are the reviews of this? Like, does this actually filter water? So that's, does it work? Right. That's what I'm asking. So what does the social proof say it works? So I click on the reviews and it's like, oh yeah, okay. It works. Right. So that question is answered. And it's like, is this going to fit my shower head? And it's like, yes, like this, this fits every shower head. Right. It's the same, it's the same thing every time and it's not like it's hidden you already thought like you if you just look inside your own head and what you do is when you're writing a sales page or you're writing something you just answer all those questions in the exact sequence you thought of them right and it's you don't have to do this like wildly crazy oh you got you got to write the sentences this long and then you write them this long and then this long and make sure you double space the paragraphs and it's like it doesn't matter bro like is the offer good or not? And can you communicate the questions that somebody is going to have? That's it. That's all you do, right? And then it goes to like, what is the best way to get someone to purchase this offer, right? So now what happened is we're sitting here with the with the quick lines, like the $15,000 $15, package. It's, it's what's the best mechanism to, to identify the tar- how do we get in touch with the target market? Well, it's B2B service, so probably cold email, right? Who would buy this? Peep, someone who manages people who send cold emails. Sales manager, right? Um, and then, well, how do we, how, what's the best way to convert them? Well, it's a phone call because it costs a lot of money, right? And then if you look at Twitter with like cold email mastery, like what's the best way to sell someone this $245 product? We'll just let them purchase it from a sales page on Gumroad, right? It's just different kinds of things. And then you look at like, oh, a coaching program. You're selling a coaching program. What's the best way to do that? Well, it's probably an opt-in page with like a video explaining it and then to a sales call because it's higher ticket, right? It's, you have to, you just have to be aware of how particular things are sold. And sometimes you just change the way how things are sold. It works a lot better. So someone's out here selling, someone's out here selling like 
design services for like I'll make you a logo for $50 or something like that. Well, you probably make a lot more money if you just said, hey, $4,000 a month, I'll give you unlimited design. Work. What's what's the best way that like to get good at this, right? So if you if you have specific things in, in terms of way that you can phrase copy and, and laying out these websites, obviously just trying it and testing it a bunch, but are there other resources that you've pulled from, whether it's books on copywriting or, or podcasts or other people that, that have done it that you try to emulate? Or if I wanted to spend two years right now and become the best at, you know, one of these segments, any advice there? Yeah. So you, you should go and read like all the classics, of copywriting books, like David Ogilvy and like Dan Kennedy and Gary Halbert. And you should, you should read them, but it's, it's, like the medium of the message is different today. We're using like digital ads and funnels, right? So you need to be, what you need to do is the best way to learn something is to look at like real world examples. So like we're onboarding a sales guy right now. So how are we onboarding the sales guy? We're literally giving him a bunch of sales call recordings. Like that's just the easiest way to train. Like it just makes the most sense. So what you have to do is you have to look at funnels and sales pages that are working right now. So what you do is you're scrolling on Facebook or Instagram and you see the same ad like eight times. It means it's working because they keep paying for the ad. It obviously works. So what does the ad copy say? Like what did the creative say? Was it a video? What did they say in the video? And like what I just said earlier about we'll get you 40 appointments in a month or you don't pay anything. That's from an ad I've seen like 42 times now over the course of three months. So it obviously works, right? Yeah, yeah. It's great ad. So Yeah, so what what you do is you click the thing and you see what they said on the page and then like you opt in and see what kind of email you get. Like what's on the next page? Is it a video? Is it is it is it like a webinar? Like what's going on here? And you just look at it. And you're not going to you're not going to like understand it in, in to a very deep degree when you first do it. But if you sit here and you just do that all the time, you start to just know what works. Like you just inherently. I feel like that's the biggest thing I've learned as a marketer in the last couple of years is that you should almost, like you said, you'd never want to sell a product that people aren't already selling or people aren't already buying. I think you should almost like very rarely run an ad campaign or a marketing campaign that is like totally unique and original. And I think this is probably somewhat controversial advice because people are going to say, well, Connor, look at, you know, look at Apple, look at these massive companies. Okay, fantastic. They have multi-million dollar teams who all they do is think about this shit all day long, right? If you are like us and you are selling, you know, basic services or software, e-commerce products or whatever it is, like you are so much better off finding what's currently running, doing exactly what you said, swipe almost everything, don't plagiarize, don't go and like copy like verbatim or anything like that, but you can basically swipe most of it. And if you look at the actual anatomy of most marketing campaigns, it's three things. It's a hook, how do I get their attention? It's an offer, are they interested in this? It's a call to action, what can they do to go take, take advantage of that offer? It's those three things. And then, and then after that, you just rinse and repeat, right? So it's like, this is, you talked about kind of creating funnels. And I know I read a bunch of Russell Brunson, Russell Brunson stuff in the past too. It's like, all he does is get their attention, give them an offer, give them a way to pay him. And then he just repeats those la those three steps over and over again until they're paying him more and more and more money, right? So they get them in and they get them in at a $19 a month offer. And they say, well, actually, if you want this thing, that's probably 10 times more in value, but only double the price, you can go and take advantage of that too. And by the way, 500 other people already signed up for that last week as well. So like just basically repeating those three-step frameworks and copying what other people are already doing, you can make a lot of money on it. Yeah, you unless unless you have half a million dollars liquid that you're prepared to burn, you have no business making new things. Like you, you don't do that. You just well model after what already works, right? Are you like you can sit here and say, like, are, are you trying to are you trying to be Mark Zuckerberg or are you trying to be like the dude who lives a couple houses down who has like thirty mil net worth? Like, what's more real? What's more real? Sam Sam right? told us that we weren't going to be the next. Zuckerberg's when we uh, when we had him on the podcast, so yeah, there's there's no point. It's like it, that, it's unnecessary at that point. What what amount of money is it? Like it's I watched a Hermosi video where he broke it down. He's like, you see all these like multimillionaires and the multimillion 
multimillionaire kind of thing. And he's like, well, let's, let's break this down. You're going to get like a, like a sick penthouse in a city. You're going to drive a Lamborghini. You're going to go on three vacations a year with a private jet. Ended up equating to like 300K a year. It's not a lot of money to look, to seem as if you're what is a multimillionaire's lifestyle. And it's like, wow, that's, that's very enlightening. Achievable. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you take advice from? I only take advice from people who make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. So what happens is I like Alex Hermosi a hundred thousand dollars a month. I'm sorry. Not a year. I like, I like Alex Hermosi a lot. He's got like offers and whatnot. I, I like Russell Brunson a lot because Russell Brunson runs a two hundred million dollar company. You see what I mean? So, but what happens is if you if you're sitting here and like you don't you're you don't know anything, you don't have an online business, you make zero dollars income. You need to listen to people who who are at like anywhere from ten k a month to like fifty k a month. That's who you listen to, right? Um, but people who are at like $250,000 a month have no business talking to taking advice from someone who's at 50. And, and the dude, you just touched on this earlier where it's like, oh, well, Apple does this. Like, well, Apple makes $60 billion a year. So like, don't worry about what Apple is doing. You listen to people who are like one to three steps ahead of you. And that's it. Like, don't you. I see this on TikTok all the time. We're talking earlier about the stupid TikTok comments. I made a, a video one time where it's like, you don't need a pretty website. I was basically saying like, you make all these all these animations and it decreases the load times conversion. Some dude would be like, well, well, Apple's well, Apple's website's pretty. I'm like, you're not Apple, bro. You make you make like three k a month. Like you don't. I don't know why you're you're spending like forty two hours building this site. Like just just building on ClickFunnels and have a good offer. You know, like if you if you look at Alex Ramosi's acquisition.com, it looks like shit. He makes like 80 mil a year. Like it's the website is not pretty. Like it's not. Yeah, I can I completely agree. I feel like I mean the the pinnacle of this is look at BerkshireHathaway.com. Uh that's have you ever seen it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like literally looks like from truthfully, 1990s. yeah, truthfully the ugliest website I think maybe on the internet. Uh, and they have 150 billion dollars just in cash, right? Just in cash sitting there. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I want to kind of maybe start wrapping things up. I don't know, Gio might have another question or two, but like one of the things that I want to kind of lead people towards this podcast with, and like I've been meaning to to take a look at your course for a little bit anyway, so I, I'll probably end up buying it this week. But like, what's some things in that course? that without giving away everything or without, you know, dropping all the knowledge or whatever like that, are there like one or two specific things that people should be doing that they're not right now if they want to go and get more clients and, and improve their cold emails? Yeah, so I want to be very specific about what cold email is for because a lot of people think they're going to screw up any business with cold email. They can't. There's only two situations where you should use cold email. It's you're below, you're, you're selling a B2B service. Right. What I mean by that is you sell advertising or you sell email marketing or you sell whatever. It has to be a B2B service. Right. No B2C doesn't work. You're only emailing other businesses. Right. There's only two situations where you should really do that. It's like you're below like 20 K a month and you like you want to get like five, six more clients. Like it's, it's a relatively slow mechanism, but it's cheap. Right. Compared to ads. So. And then the other one is you you sell a product to a very hyper-specific kind of person. I'm talking like CFOs and manufacturing firms in the United States with like 300 plus employees, right? So there's a finite pe- finite amount of those people on earth, right? So you, you, the only way you're going to get them is, is with cold email. Like we talked about quick lines earlier. It's sales managers, very specific kind of person. Like I'm just going to use cold email. You can just target it better, right? So only in those two situations you should use it. But what you want to do in cold email is you keep it very simple. People, they, they read like two copywriting books and they start writing like a sales letter in the cold email. It doesn't work like that. It's what you do, shit you not, just subject line, just quick question. It's been working for like three years. It literally, I swear to God, it's like 60% plus open rate every single time. Um, and then what you do inside of the cold email, you have to make it very clear to the prospect that this is not an automated email. 
right? And you can kind of skirt this with automation by what you do is like you're in a Google sheet, you have a giant lead list and you make a column first line and then you write like a personalized compliment to the person. But you have to be, you have to be kind of intelligent with this where it, it has to flow from what you'd be like, hey, name, right? You insert the name and then first line, you insert the first line from the CSV. This is in like your sending tool. So hey, name, first line, it'd be like, uh, hey, Connor, just... Um, you couldn't automate this, but like, hey, Connor, just just watch that episode you had with Daniel on your podcast. Really enjoyed it, right? That would be more manual. You'd have to do that manual, but QuickLines, QuickLines specifically, would just scrape their LinkedIn and be like, hey, saw you're from Tampa, go box, right? Something like that, right? So it, it, it's very clear to them, like this isn't a mass email. This couldn't have been sent to anyone else, right? That's right. all you're trying to do with the first line. So hey, name first line, and then. What I like to do is just ask a question. But we were talking about this earlier with offers. Like it's not always the mechanism that's wrong. It's like you're just trying to sell something people don't want. So if you're if you're hitting up e-commerce stores and you're trying to sell them Facebook ads, like like it's not it's like not happening, right? So what you have to do is you you have to get very intelligent with what you do with this. And and sorry to interrupt, but is it not happening because? They either already have a solution for that or or why? No, there's just like 40 million people that sell the same thing. It's commodity right. service now. So sure. what you have to do is you have to like this this isn't a, this is more like an offer side, but you sell something that would otherwise be an add-on service first and then upsell the core service. So what I mean by that is what's something that's new and isn't being sold a lot is making UGC ads of from TikTok influencers. So you approach an e-commerce brand, you're like, hey. Uh, hey, name first line. Uh, saw you were running some ads on Facebook. Have you tried getting UGC ads from TikTok influencers and running those as ads? Right, and that 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 quite literally that question is the entire email. Hey, name first line. That question. That's the whole email, right? And it is super just, short. Yeah, super super short. Because the longer you make the email, the lower the probability somebody finishes it in entirety. So you have to. You have I have have a mentor who basically told me that um, he, rather like the biggest mistake that people make with cold emails, and I'd love to get your take on this, isn't is that they try to get the entire sale on email number one, when in reality the entire point of a cold email is to get a response. The only goal of a cold email is to get a response. Yep, yep, that that's that's correct. You're asking too much. And the way to get a response is people think there's oh this sort of copywriting trick, this copywriting hat. It's like no, bro, it's the offer. It's like they're sitting there and they like, they probably know like UGC ads are good. And then like what, what happens is you send a cold email and if you like don't include a link, it, I figured this out a long time ago, but what people will go and they'll copy, they'll in Gmail, they'll go up to the thing, point the little down arrow and they'll copy your sending domain and put in the URL bar. So then it forwards to your site where you would ideally have a video sales letter that just explains what your service is. Like, hey, my name's Daniel. And if I was running that kind of business, I'd be like, um, we want a business that gets user-generated content ads from TikTok influencers for you to run ads either on Facebook or TikTok. And let me show you some results of how this works on other people's ad managers, right? And then you would and then you would go through that and then just call to action at the end. Right? What, are, what are your thoughts on that's the... It? like mass personalization software from something like Lemlist or trying to auto insert, you know, make it look like it's a custom video meant for them, but the thumbnail just gets, you know, pulled in from a column. Are those, are those worth it? Or it's just, you're overthinking it and you can just write a couple lines on the email. It's yeah, this, this, this goes back to like people that are trying these extremely extravagant things where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to make this video and it's going to auto inject this person's name into this particular point in the video. It's all this complicated stuff. It's it's just so unnecessary if you sell something people are interested in purchasing. It's just, it's so stupid. Like people spend so much time trying to get so creative with the marketing instead of just trying to sell something that people very much want to purchase, right? It's just weird. Right. Right. So if I sit here, it's, it's, it has to be a good offer. So it's like, okay, I run a Twitter account and like I get, I, I get sales of cold email mastery every day. The, the, the offer is pretty simple. Like I'm going to show you how to send cold emails. I'm going to show you how to scrape emails. I'm going to show you the scripts. I want to show you how to like fix your offer up. And if you don't get a client in 60 days, you get a full refund. 
it's a good offer, right? Yeah. It's a quantification and a guarantee. And a lot of yeah. people, they just – people be like – I tell people to make a money-back guarantee. They're like, oh, I don't want to do that because I'm scared I'll get a refund. Well, why are you scared? Why are you scared to get a refund? To go well, what in the service. Perform? It's like, what? Yeah, dude, I know it makes it makes a ton of sense. I feel like I see, and I, and the cool part about your course is you've got so much social proof around everyone who's had success with it that I think at some point when people go on and if they say like, hey, listen, this isn't working for me, you almost have to think like it's no longer a course issue; it is now a me issue because if all of these people had success with it and I didn't, then it almost like turns it back to you, which is kind of a pretty smart marketing tactic. Yeah, it's very interesting. There's two there's there's two kinds of people. Uh, one one is the kind of person who like I'll never hear from them ever, and then like bam makes a tweet. Hey, thanks, man. I'm at 10k a month now. I'm like, oh, yeah. cool. I've never spoke to you in my life. Nice. Um, and then there there's then there's a person who's having some issues, and they'll message me, and I'll I'll, I'll help them out. But um, it's it's if it, it's actually incredible that if you quite literally just just do what it says, like. Right. This, this goes to this goes to the like you need to have a good offer. Right. I make that extremely clear. Like you're not selling Facebook ads to e-commerce brands unless you're going to try to do that little add on service thing first. Or it's just not it's not going to work. That's that's for that offer specifically. Right. I completely agree. Um, man, this has been an awesome episode that definitely went a little over time. So I appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us. If people want to go and check out anything that you're about, uh, whether it's YouTube, Twitter, courses, whatever, like where can they go and find you? Twitter, Black Hat Wizard with two Ds. We'll link it down to the show notes below, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it.